Hello and yeah. welcome to Fans of the Genre 29 for May 29. The, oh, in this, the year of our Lord. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Hello and welcome to Fans of the Genre 29 for May 29. In this, the year of our Lord 2017. I'm Brian Swanson. I'm Mikey Krieger. And I'm Rhodes Clark. This week, it's Fans of the Genre After Dark. We've got drinks in hand and we're talking about Far Cry 5. More Breath of the Wild, The Order 1886 for some reason, and Overwatch, baby. Um, Far Cry. You, lo- you either love it or hate it. Um, Far Cry 5 was uh, announced in the last two weeks. Mikey wrote about it for InfiniteDogs.com. Check it out. It's one of the only articles we've posted in the last <laughs> four weeks. It's a website. Um, it is a website. Um, it's set in Montana. Is that good or is it actually bad? We've got um, our reporter, Mikey. On location in Hope County, Montana, with the details. <laughs> Hope County's a fiction, fictional place, apparently filled with bad people that I don't want to be around. So, oh, hello. I'm still in Seattle. Hey. Oh, um, thanks Have for committing to the bit. Been to yeah. Montana? Um, my my cousin graduated from the college that's in Helena, Montana. Okay, I better get played. Yeah, I I've been there briefly. Yeah, I was there for like a day. Uh, yeah. I don't remember much. I was very young. Um, I lost you. Oh, have you been to Montana, Brian? Yeah, I did a week and a half, or no, a week in Montana for work. How was that? Uh, we- I I spent a day in Montana. I can't imagine spending a whole week. Uh, I drove from Butte to Bozeman to Helena to Missoula, uh, and then a little bit north, and then all the way back to Butte, and it was a long drive. Do you th- did the landscape? Um, make you think that, like, man, it'd be really cool to be, like, a dude with a gun shooting up some uh, cult leaders. No, but that's okay. video games for you. Yeah. Um, Mikey, I would like a, a little summary about, like, okay, so, like, a week ago, Far Cry 5 was announced. Uh, we saw a trailer and some key art um, detailing the uh, villain and, like, the general tone of Montana. Do you want to um, bring us up to speed? Sure. Uh, so, Far Cry 5, following on the heels of Far Cry 4, is a first-person open-world shooter game uh, where presumably you're going to be shooting a lot of bad guys. You're, there's going to be outposts you need to take over. There will be towers you need to climb to take back regions of the map. And this time, instead of shooting up indigenous people, you're shooting up <laughs> Americans. Yeah, um, I'm really happy to not be like in an exotic locale, um, shooting up brown being, folks, shooting up brown people. Yeah, like being the white savior yes. in yes. in three felt a little awkward, and it was yeah. a really interesting time for me because like that was the first game that made me actually kind of like aware of how fucked up it was. Yeah, you know what I mean, mm, yeah, well, yeah, because um, your character wasn't just a white dude; it was like a fucking like Beverly Hills like fucking spoiled rich ass parents white dude who gets dropped on this island and then like becomes like it becomes like the punisher just like a fucking one-man armory uh army yeah and then uh spoilers uh for the end of the game like you can choose to take certain sides and if you side with the natives and decide to stay there Mm -hmm. uh you sacrifice your friends and then uh like the final scene is of you uh having sex on like this big podium with with yeah. the like the native like queen witch woman and then she kills you 
so edgy dude and it's like i was like oh that that fucker deserved it he like yeah kill, he killed his friends to live with these native people and then they just fucking yeah. murdered him in the ceremony and it was pretty cool um but far cry 4 changed it where it's, it was set in nepal and there was this like authoritarian fascist in charge um and you return to your home country to like bury your parents mm-hmm. and like you find out that your parents were super involved in uh in like the cause and like trying to overthrow this dictator. So you kind of, uh, get thrown back into the mix of this situation mm-hmm. and it kind of eased some of that, um, like weird colonialism and yeah. Uh, weirdness and like took some strides. Like I, a lot of people thought it was a step back as a game, but a step forward, like narratively. Sure. So, yeah. Um, I think it's like in the right direction for where this series could go, frankly, just yeah. in terms of like, if you really want to be like an immersive, like explorative first person shooter sort of thing, like at least make it not gross. I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. And in this one, you choose both your race and your sex. In um, Far Cry 5. In Far yeah, Cry 5. Yeah. You choose. Yeah. So who knows the extent to how that's going to play out? Because the villains yeah. in this game are um, like right wing, like far right wing, like religious dim- cult leaders. Yeah, like re- like religious domestic terrorists. Yeah. Um. So I wonder how that's going to play out. Like, if it makes a difference, whether or not what race you are. Um. Yeah. It's, well, in all likelihood, we've been burned so much by games, so that like we can't really expect the NPCs to react to the color of your skin. But like, it would be super cool if the if the NPCs like mm-hmm. saw that you were like a a brown um, woman from like out of state and they like versus appropriately. Yeah. Versus if we're, yeah. if you were like a white dude. Yeah. Like, cause naturally there'd be a different approach to how they, they would engage you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know we talk about Austin Walker and waypoint a lot. I know he has a great piece about this. Yeah. They, like yeah. he, like we can't really speak to this subject in the way that Austin mm-hmm. can. And he, and it's actually a, a pretty short and really digestible piece. Like I started it like, yep. expecting it to be like a 3000 word, like, all right, here's where far Cry's fucked up. And like where far cry five might actually do some right. shit. Especially cause he's, he's been sitting on it for like two weeks. Yeah. He saw it in LA. Yeah. Agreed. That piece is really great. Cause it talks a, a lot about how, um, he, he, he was, Going into detail about uh, the game director's presentation in LA about this game and how like somber and like fearful he felt as a as a white man um, and how he wanted to tell this story after the recession in 2008. And Austin brought up a really great point where like this fear of the like hateful, racist, extremist, like middle America. Uh, is new to a lot of people um but for for like black people for um hispanic and latino people for a whole bunch of other like uh people who live in the united states like this is something they live with every single day yeah and uh it it really like like inherently i know all that right but yeah um it really puts things into perspective when you read um his words yeah and, and he was talking about a conversation he had on twitter with uh a few different writers like who are white dudes are like, oh man, I can't imagine like having to write this game and then like, yeah. like write these like N words and these like 
really racial slurs and yeah these really charged statements and he's like yeah try fucking living that 24 7 since they've been fucking born man (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah it's it's definitely something that like just from the way that he was saying that like the producer of the game was talking about that it's like it probably won't have that kind of lens because like this is a fresh view to them where like getting somebody like i i wish that people would like consult like with like games critics on like how to like write their narratives in games where it's like hey we're gonna try to tell this like really interesting story about like race like like maybe not necessarily austin walker but to be like let's get this fucking guy like have him at least just come in and like give us yeah. like pointers mm-hmm. on the story and try to like point it in the right direction because or better yet hire those people like yeah. in yeah. mafia 3 the the senior writer was a black man and like i think the game was better for it and yeah. i know i don't think either of any of us on this podcast played it but like in the stories i heard about that game and how it handled race like there might have been some stumbles along the way but and that's been the, and that's yeah. not to say that like one person can speak on the can speak mm-hmm. on behalf of an, the entire an entire population but is to say like you know there is a significant benefit in hiring a diverse staff to write on really nuanced issues like race religion mm-hmm. uh, and politics but especially yeah. like for people like Austin who like make careers out of writing about race in video games, mm-hmm. like yeah, and like I, I don't know, like you see some places like like Mafia try to do that, and um, in a much much smaller way, like Star Wars Battlefront Two has a Star Wars writer and yeah. Mitch Dyer, who was a games critic and one of like the lead writers at IGN for years. Yeah, right. So like, so taking that kind of idea of like. We know we have, we have somebody who can really write Star Wars, and we have somebody that can really like understands like narratives and video games, and like getting them together to like make a cohesive story because there wasn't one in Battlefront One, the the remake from right. years ago. Yeah. Um, are you guys hopeful that they'll get all of this right? Like this this game feels especially prescient. They can they can talk about how they've been wanting to make this game for years. They can talk about how the rise of sovereign nations in uh, Oregon like inspired this game. Um, but it does come at a rather like convenient time with the rise of Trump and yeah. uh, other <clears throat> like fringe movements uh, like the alt right movement. Um, do y'all think that? Do you, are you a whole, like optimistic about how it handles all this stuff? I think I am not. Uh, I think that I'm not either. <laughs> I don't know that a, a Canadian company can really write on uh, or really write a a, a story that that really feels very inherently American and inherently like with it, with another country's decisions. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, or I think of games like uh, the one that comes to mind really is like heavy rain. And it was written by a, a French company, right? Quantic dream. Mm-hmm. And it just, it didn't really nail that. Like, Oh, like this is a, an American like uh, thriller. It just didn't feel quite grounded, and I and I feel the right. same way for for Ubisoft Montreal. Um, that's not to say that I, that like they won't do a good job, but I don't know if they're gonna if they if they frame it in the wrong way, it's gonna it's gonna come off really weird. Yeah, that, that wasn't like, really descriptive, think? but um, yeah, I I've got my hopes up. I th- I think that if they're like kind of stimulating thought and stimulating the conversation, then they've done their jobs a little bit already. Sure. Um, because like people are fucking talking about it, and like yeah, just, we are. Yeah, just right. the key art like piss people off, and like <laughs> which is I good. Feel, yeah, and mm-hmm. like I so I feel like they're doing their job a bit. 
Um, like, just the fact that they're moving it away from, like, some weird faraway land with, you know, a people that you can't identify with. Right. Um, and, and us specifically, like, this is being set, like, some people include Montana and the Pacific Northwest, but, like, I, I would. Um, yeah. But, like, we're, like, relatively near to this place. So for right. us, it's, at, at the very least, like, we're familiar with, like, this region's kind of, like, middle of nowheres, like... Right, like, the Pacific Northwest, for all it's hyped up to be, is really, like, two cities. It's, like, Seattle and Portland that people love. Yeah. yeah. There's so much more to this region, like, uh, like, you go 20 minutes off of, uh, outside of Seattle on I-5, and you're, like, in a totally different region. Yeah. Um, and even farther, if you go across the Cascades into eastern Washington yeah. and eastern Oregon, it's like I mean, even more different. The, so, it's the I-5 yeah. corridor is the caricature of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Right. And but, we have access to all this nature and stuff, but like it's all city folks that use it mm-hmm. like in a tourist-like sense or something. And, yeah. And only some of I-5. But, yeah. So for us, it feels very close to home, but mm-hmm. y- you think, I, you know this is being made by a foreign studio and like a bunch of people are going to play this in the UK where this isn't like grounded and home like for them. So like, yeah, for, for, for an audience, this still is kind of this like far away place, especially like Montana. Like it's yeah. not like, it's not like one of the more known States, you yeah. know, for, like uh, Europeans well, and others might think of like New York or well, it, California, it's so especially sparsely populated that they have one seat in the house mm-hmm. where like Washington has a, like 18 i think so yeah it'll be interesting i um it's funny you brought up the like european perspective uh mike biffle who make makes thomas was alone and volume yeah as an independent dev out in uh, the uk was tweeting about how he was curious to see it um not only how europeans respond to like american culture but like how americans respond to another like culture's perspective and i think that like to your point brian they're not going to nail american culture perfectly but like some of the more interesting like i I still think there's value in like studying what another culture thinks of america like gta gta 4 is held up as like pretty interesting and good take on what it's like to be an immigrant coming to new york and like there's some wacky shit in that game and not everything about it is like true to life right but like those first those opening moments of like trying to start a new life uh in a big city um where like it doesn't really give a shit about you but it's still like home or something like that's that's like a unique take on what it is to be american and so it's it's like I, i think it could be done and i'm interested to see like this rise of Trumpism isn't exclusive to the U S like Brexit, um, I think is like a good example of like a fear of, uh, like this like the, uh, this nationalism, populism kind of, yeah. Movement. And like, Canada like, has their own like situation coming up too, I think. Right. Like with Trudeau being like, re-election eventually, I think there's another candidate right. that's in the, in the running who's very Trump like, right. Like this, this situation is becoming worldwide, but like, I think that the lens is on, America right now, especially as Trump like starts making his first trips abroad <laughs> yeah. and all this stuff. So it'll be so 
interesting. Like, I mean, this game won't cover Trump. It won't talk about Trump at all. Yeah. But like this type of. Yeah, because um, so video games are yeah. like this game has been in development at least two years. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's not like they turned this around since November and we're like, okay, we need this like scathing criticism yeah. of you know Trump and politics. Like, no, it's this kind of right. building tension of the like far far like extremist mm-hmm. religious right. And yeah, this, I think. I think that I read or heard this game, the idea or like the initial development started right after three, uh, Far Cry yeah. three. And um, so that would have been like 2011, 2012. And I don't think it's going to nail, you know, an entire like 15 to 20 hour long narrative about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about these religious people in or like uh, very uh radical religious people in montana and i think that there are lower big beats that it will hit on but you know i think that folks looking at this as like the perhaps maybe their first exposure to this like be all end all criticism of religious people in a video game that maybe they've never seen before might have a very similar experience to you uh with far cry 3 or something and which is good right like to mikey's point like it gets people talking and it gets people realizing you know what works and what doesn't work within video games and within Mm -hmm many different types of narratives and so i think that there will be parts of that story where i'm like hell yeah this is awesome and then other parts where i'm gonna be like this is a little weird but at the same time far cry 5 is gonna be grounded in a really strong uh like a very strong foundation of like gunplay and like exploration and hopefully no towers but who knows maybe you'll be climbing church bells you take someone's head you ring it on the bell three times and you unlock part of the map yeah right Um, so to your point about um, kind of not necessarily like foreigners writing about American culture, but just like the lack of yeah, like nuanced takes on American culture in games. Um, so one thing that kind of like we've seen in the past couple of days where people in reference to the situation that happened in Portland, where people are saying like, like, mm-hmm. no, these, these two heroes that, uh, whose lives were taken, like trying to like fight off this white supremacist, um, like, like these two yeah. represent America, not this guy. And it's like, actually, that all of them do. Like, yeah, you, you can't just sweep that under the rug. Like, that's part of this country now. Like, and continuing to sweep that under the rug doesn't make it not so. Um, and so, right. you know, you kind of have to take it like warts and all, and um, and that kind of creates, like, in like these situations have created the opportunity for foreigners to like look at what's going on and being like, okay, this is how we perceive America based on what's happening in America. And we're going to like make a story out of it. Mm-hmm. And then in like response to the criticism, um, like I think of like a lot of criticisms to rap music and how it glorifies like weapons and violence where um, like ice cube said it like in the nineties. And then uh I actually just saw a clip of T.I. on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah where he's, like, asking, like, like, don't you feel like this music, like, glorifies violence and encourages people to be violent? It's like, no, like, th- this is a representation of, of our reality. This is how we see the world. If you want to change how how people are, like, how like these stories that we're creating and these, this art that serves as a reflection of what's happening in the world, we need to change what's happening in the world, yeah. and mm-hmm. then art will follow suit. So, people yeah. getting upset about this like it's this is a foreign country seeing what's going on right here yeah and then like okay this is what we're seeing we're gonna represent this in our art so right yeah my my big worry with all of this is that like like 
Brian, like you were saying, like it's it's you you really have to suspend your disbelief when you're playing a game like Far Cry, which is all about like at least the last couple of games about shooting, killing anybody that gets in your way, and it's like a power fantasy, right? Like right. I may vehemently disagree with a like right wing religious cult in the middle of Montana. I'm not gonna take a gun as a sheriff and like shoot up a bunch of them. Right. And like, yeah, punch a Nazi. Like, you, that's on record. Like, please punch Nazis. But like, I, I don't think there's like a big disconnect between like mm-hmm. what kind of things they're trying to say and like the actions that you take as a player. But and we'll I see think- how it manifests when it comes out in February. And I think I have this like kind of self-righteous, oh man, video game narratives, you know, they should really like do something productive maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the case, right? And there are a lot of movies that don't do anything productive with their plot. And right. I don't get, I don't get like irritated at, and I probably shouldn't get irritated at Far Cry for having a, uh, a plot that maybe says absolutely nothing, but it's fun to play. Um, but it's just, it's interesting. I think that the more I talk about it, the more I realize I'm pretty intrigued with what they're doing and like, yeah, I'm, I'd probably have fun with it. It'd probably look beautiful on, on PC. Hopefully you Mm -hmm. guys will play it on PC. (laughs) Maybe by then we'll have PCs. Maybe. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on. We'll have plenty. We'll have like literally 10 months or so to talk about Far Cry 5. We'll talk Uh, after E3 probably. Probably. Yeah. They're going to have more. I I hope. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, we've been talking a little bit in our group thread about um, Breath of the Wild because, like, as much as I want to get into Nier and other games that I have, uh, I find myself just, like, plumping down, picking up the Wii U gamepad, that sweet 2012 piece of technology, and uh, um, playing Zelda. And I, uh, I'm i finding myself really enjoying it, and I was texting you guys about how I am taking on the Divine Beast in the desert which is a camel and Brian had an interesting take about the divine beasts. So yeah. Um, if you've played breath of the wild or haven't played it, you've probably heard that there are four divine beasts throughout the game, which represent four dungeons of, of sort mm-hmm. um, that you have to come or that you op- optionally can complete to um, make the final fight with Ganon a little bit or a lot easier. I don't know. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't gotten there yet actually. Um, but I don't actually. I I feel like I've found found that the game is at its like, it is not fun to me at the points where I'm doing the divine beasts, hmm. um, or it's at its least fun of some sort. And uh, that is because I've found that the divine beasts are pretty repetitive in the way that they're structured. Um, the puzzles are also uh, just sort of revolve around um, changing the the shape of the beast to, to access different areas um, and accessing five terminals after you've, after you download the map and then fighting the, the boss. I think that right. the bosses are kind of interesting. I did have trouble with the Thunderblight Ganon. Um, Which but is what I'm facing right now. Yeah. Nar- narratively, I really dig like what the divine beasts are, how they have a, a relationship with Link and his like hero companions. But man, I just find the like, you know, shape, like using the map to change the rotation of one section of the beast and the terminals to, to, yeah. to touch the terminals, not be, not being very fun. I don't really like the idea of not being able to return to them if I missed a chest. Um, and sure. I, just, yeah, like I think that the shrines feel a lot more smartly built and unique to me 
than the Divine Beasts, and I think I could name off more shrine challenges than I could, like, unique aspects of the beasts. And I know that Mikey isn't... It maybe maybe disagrees with me. I'd love to hear your side of it. He he replied yeah. with a white guy blinking meme, otherwise known as uh, Drew, Drew, Drew Scanlon Scanlon. blinking from Giant Bomb. Yeah, um, the, the Divine Beasts are the best Zelda dungeon since Majora's Mask. So I haven't played the Majora's Mask dungeons, uh, but uh, I think... <laughs> Well, actually, you know what? I'll let you make your point. Yeah. Uh, so, so um, a lot of people's complaints about the past few Zeldas have been like the decline of the dungeons. Um, hmm. Like Twilight Princess was probably the low point. Um, and I, I and and like we need a drinking game for every time we bring up Waypoint, and every time I bring up <laughs> every time I bring Patrick up Lepic. yeah, and every time I bring up Mark Brown. But oh, Mark, yeah. But Mark Brown has a series where he breaks down dungeon design in Zelda. And like, right, it's called Boss Key, right? But Boss Keys, yeah. And he, yeah. like... It's a good series. Yeah, yeah. It's phenomenal. He just did, uh, put up his Skyward Sword video, like, a week ago. Um, and so he has Breath of the Wild and then Link Between Worlds to do, and then he's done with the series. Um, but he points out in Wind Waker, the dungeons become less about, like, puzzle solving and like skill and become very linear and like just like a through line through these dungeons and yep. mm-hmm. breath of the wild returns to kind of like placing you in this dungeon and you need to like, and you need to actually like solve it. It's not just like, Oh, like I have this, like there's three doors, but I can only go through one of them. And then like, it will kind of naturally loop you around through the others. Like it mm-hmm. kind of just puts you in there and blindly just like, all right, here's a fun puzzle to solve and like yeah and the puzzle is the entire dungeon and so like brian said like you reach a point where you can um you affect the dungeon and so in i forget how it so the the camel one the one in the desert like i believe that's the one where the tail no i believe that's the one where it the three circles in the stump in the torso Mm -hmm. rotate so yeah like so these platforms are then like rotating and need to like line them up and then they create different pathways for you and then we'll open and close different puzzles. And so you're yeah. trying to like, yeah. you're, you're affecting the dungeon and trying to like figure out how tweaking things a certain way, like what pathways open. And so you need to have like a knowledge of what's happening in the dungeon. And like it actually, I feel is stimulating and challenging in ways that Zelda dungeons haven't been in a long time. And do you guys think that it's fair to like, do you think that we don't have enough like vocabulary to refer to these as something other than dungeon? Cause like I'm thinking about how much time I spent like actually with the divine beasts. And I think it really is more like just a giant puzzle, but like because the, the narrative called these things dungeons so much leading up to my playthrough of the game, I kept on thinking of them as traditional as all the dungeons and I actually kind of leave a little disappointed only because I feel like I'm brute forcing my way through and kind of like running up against certain puzzles and like, like moving the parts of the divine beast in such a way that like eventually I'll get it right. And eventually I'll get through this door or eventually I'll get, I'll find out how to like, I feel like I'm accidentally discovering things that I'm not supposed to. And maybe that's the point, but like in, in this, uh, for example, in this divine beast where I am, where you're like, facing off as uh, against like a mechanical camel or whatever, like you lift its neck up 
upright, like a perfect 90 degrees, and then you get an elevator that goes up and down its neck, right? Mm-hmm. From the top of the elevator, I jumped off, used my paraglider, and glided around one of the humps, and that like led me to a new... Like, that helped me get to where I needed yeah. to go. No, I think that, that lends itself. That's, that's part of why the game is great. That, so, for people who may have seen on, like, Twitter or Reddit, this is also the dungeon where um, there are these two little platforms that you need to put electrified balls on. Yeah. So, yeah. you put one on one pedestal, one on the one across the room. But Zelda, or Breath of the Wild, has um, this functionality where your metal weapons conduct electricity... Right. And so in the same way that you climbed up here yeah. and like glided down and around and like kind of subverted some some of the uh, level design, like Nick Robinson laid all of his metal weapons to uh, create a conductor from one platform with his metal weapons leading to the other one. And then that opened the the final yeah. piece of, of the dungeon. And I I think that actually speaks to how well designed that game is. And um, the reason why people are referring to the, the Divine Beasts as dungeons, and like, I don't think the game really ever says it often, but what makes Breath of the Wild so great is the way that it subverts your understanding and expectations for a Zelda game. So these are the closest analog that Breath of the Wild has right. to traditional Zelda dungeons, and I believe that the way that they approach them is the smartest and most ingenious way that they've approached dungeons like Breath mm-hmm. or uh, a link between worlds was pretty neat where you could take them on in any order that you wanted and yeah. you didn't need like you didn't go in there find the tool that you need to beat it and then you know and then kind of never use it again like it gave you all the tools at the beginning just like Breath of the Wild does but really the dungeons haven't been as well designed since the, the Nintendo 64 era I think and, I I appreciate it more hearing you put it put it into perspective that way but I do agree with Rhodes that sometimes it feels a little brute forcey and I think that future Zeldas will probably allow um, a little bit more innovation beyond um, I don't know like I feel like each each uh, section of like getting to the dungeon and then being in the dungeon has like a you need the bow for this section and like you, you like shoot arrows into the water beast to like open it up right um, because there isn't another tool that really can can like work that can can do that um, mm-hmm. Like, I think that future Zeldas are going to have a really good opportunity for it. Um, but when it comes to the dungeon, I feel like I do a little, little bit of brute forcing. But at the same time, too, I also return to the entrance of the dungeon a lot because I'm trying to figure out where to go from from there. And, and you're right. That is definitely something I've not done in a Zelda since probably yeah. Majora's Mask. So I do appreciate that that perspective. And it makes me think that the dungeons are, are definitely a lot more interesting than maybe I initially thought. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so and, and what you the way you put it was that I think you said it was like your least favorite part of the game. Which mm-hmm. I, I, I will agree. It's not nearly as fun as like solving a lot of the like overworld puzzles and exploring yeah. and all of these aspects. Um and I, I there's another game I'm trying to think of where it's like, oh yeah, like typically what you go into one of these games for, it's like they did it really well here, but everything else about the game is so dope. Like it's yeah. I think yeah. it's a step up for the dungeon design in Zelda, but yeah, everything else around it is so beautiful. And like the best part of this game is just exploring this massive sprawling, like world of Hyrule that like has so many secrets and so many like fun hidden things in it that whenever you're kind of like closed off from it, um, 
it kind of takes away a little bit of that charm and I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah, but, like I think the Divine Beast sort of like force you to confront the mechanics of the game. Um and by that I mean like switching between your uh your Sheikah Slate powers and like uh, I don't know. Sometimes I like I've, I've said on this podcast before. I don't think the controls are particularly great. I'm still fumbling through everything. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, to say that the divine beasts are the least favorite part of the game is not saying a whole lot because like the whole game is very very good. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, there that game has few flaws, and those right. flaws are like. Not, not to say that they're invalid, but they're more nitpicky. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it makes you start thinking about things you don't like when, as, instead of like being able to point to one particular thing. Um, speaking of like just like solving puzzles in the overworld, there are some shrines in this game that are uh, labyrinths, and I th- I've only discovered two, um, but they're like giant mazes. And mm-hmm. I did one of them today yeah. near the Gerudo Valley. And I felt such like ownership over it. Like I didn't get lost once. There was like, I was like kind of like strafing. Like I held the camera down. Like as I was running past hallways, I had the camera pointed toward where the hallways would be. And I was like, okay, there's an opening down there. There's an opening down there as, as I was running past them, you know? And like, I just like somehow intuitively knew which path to go down. I got all the cool treasures, but I still like, Salt. Like I didn't get lost or get frustrated with it. There's something about Zelda games, and I noticed this with Wind Waker, and I said it on this podcast. Their like dungeon and puzzle designs make you feel so competent in mm-hmm. the way things are designed that like you're just going through things so swiftly and quickly, and it feels like a dance that you're like intimately familiar with. Um, I yeah. don't know. People That's have talked cool. about Zelda so much uh, in the two months or so that it's been out, but. Um, as someone who's discovering it and trying to find new ways to talk about it, I, I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Um, Breath of the Wild's awesome. It is. Yep. Saying that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we've also been playing other video games. Uh, Mikey and I have played a couple of rounds of Overwatch together. Yeah, um, which has been really fun. I don't know how much how much have you been playing it in in the year that it's been out. So I played it pretty re- regularly up until um, about the time Anna got released, and then I played mm-hmm. a little bit after that, and pretty much missed the entire period following that through like shortly a- after Orisa's mm-hmm. uh, release. Actually, uh, for the Uprising event, that's when I picked it back up again, and that's so. I haven't, I'm in the exact same boat. I haven't picked it up until this week, um, until the one year anniversary. Yeah, uh, and and then I yeah we picked it up at probably like Monday or Tuesday, and then yeah we played a few matches together, and it's been fun. Um, I don't know the like arcade modes are really hit and miss. I really don't yeah. like the the one v like the one v one duels. Yeah. Um capture the flag is just a little too chaotic for me. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, yeah, but you gotta get those loot boxes. I know that that's the, the only reason why I play them. Um, yeah, I, I do like the the three versus three eliminations. Um, that one's really fun. I think it's really yeah. cool how it locks you out from players after you win. Yeah, if you um, win with them. Yeah. My very first one on one, I actually like 
completely dominated and ever every time since then i've lost like miserably like it's been laughably bad Um, i'm really good at winning the first three and then losing the next four (laughs) um that's happened to me like at least three or four times yeah i'm just really happy that um i mean we've talked about this game so much on this show already but like uh i was expecting to pick it back up and not feel like i was like competing at all yeah but then i you know i I pick up uh i pick up diva and i pick up soldier 76 and i'm actually like really enjoying sombra and uh orisa yeah um i do pretty well like i got play the game a couple times with mikey i uh like i don't know the game's really cool and there's something about the way it plays that it feels like riding a bike and especially um, playing with someone else like yeah that, yeah. that, that makes makes it so much better um mm-hmm. i was playing the other day with my friend who um so this weekend was a free weekend for people who don't have the game they could download it and play it um as long as they had psn or xbox uh, live gold and uh so i made my friend download it and played it with her for a minute and uh she was totally overwhelmed so we just went to like a bot match on normal mm-hmm. yeah. and like i was kind of guiding her like we did Kings around defense. I was like, Oh, be bastion. Uh, I'll be mercy and I'll, you know, I'll stay on you and I'll pop around and help everyone else. But, um, nice. Yeah. Like she like, and we were playing with people who were pretty good, but, um, multiple times she got like, um, play of the game and like was the MVP after the match. Oh, wow. And like, like the, they won the epic com- uh, condemnation or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, yeah. And like part of it was cause I was like, Oh, like, you might be really good with this character or, um, you know, like being very situational, like trying to guide, guide her, like, yeah, be Bastion here this time, be Reaper. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be really good with the Reinhardt on this kind of level. And like someone who hadn't picked it up, doesn't really play first person shooters, like picked it up and played it and like did pretty well. I, I mean, we were playing against bots, but she, you know, performed better than like the, like other people who have been playing Overwatch for a minute. Mm hmm. Yeah, and like, and it's all depending upon like the character you play, how you play it, um, and like the thing that drives me crazy is like team composition matters, and like, uh, like situational character choices are important, and mm-hmm. people are just like, mm-hmm. oh god, like right, like twenty minutes before I came up to record, um, us playing Overwatch, and we were doing attack on Kings Row. And we had two people who, for the entire match, insisted on being Widowmaker and Hanzo, so two snipers. Yeah, and we God just got fucking it. got fucking destroyed. Well, it's especially bad on console when, like, it's hard to be a sniper with a, uh, a controller. I would yeah. say, yeah, um, mm-hmm. you're just not as quick. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, we just got fucking destroyed, and like, I did everything I could to try to keep us afloat. Yeah, um, like I blocked like twenty two thousand damage with Reinhardt's shield, just like nice. We need to fucking do something, guys. Yeah, but someone swap. Yeah, um, it, it was bad. Hey, Brian, when when did they make the change that um, you can't double up on characters in quick play? Oh, like gosh. when yeah. I was playing, uh, like you could have multiple bastions, and that would always fucking suck. I it's like the single smartest thing they've done is make it so that you can't have more of one more than one character play in a single match. I, yeah, I missed- so. I miss six-player Junkrat teams, though. That was always fun. You can still do that on No Limit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, like, that would just happen in, like, the standard game. It's, like, before competitive. Yeah. Where it would just be, like, people would 
you know, do the shitty thing where it's like they select and unselect super fast on like Junkrat, and then so it's like, mm-hmm. all right, everyone's Junkrat now, or <laughs> everyone's Lucio. So there's just six Lucios who are like all healing each other with that <laughs> stacking, and just like never dying. Uh, fun fact: uh, Symmetra's shield uh, barrier stacks, or like her, nice. yeah, which is just ridiculous. But yeah. I so oh, I think competitive came out about a month after. Uh, the game launched, and I'm pretty sure that they added, or they, they got rid of allowing you to pick multiples of heroes at least about a month or two, or maybe one season after uh, competitive launch. So probably about six to nine months uh, okay. have passed since it's been like that. And I think that it's it's better for it, right? Like, it standardizes yeah. everything in, in a yeah. very like consistent way, but um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting when you run into a situation, like Mikey said, where you have two snipers on attack or something and you're like god damn like i know that we're like a four stack and that you two are yeah. like randoms but like seriously play a different hero yeah or, or right. a symmetra on attack is right just drives me fucking crazy it's yeah. pointless it's really sure. stupid i so do you guys feel like there are i feel like i feel like there are some maps that are like better suited for attack and better suited for defense and I think yeah. that, like, no matter what your team comp is, like, um, you're going to be at a disadvantage. And I think King's Row is, like, a very poorly designed map. Every time I play it, I, like, I get pissed when the payload's moving up. Um, yeah. Um, I feel like there's some things about it that make it, like... Which part? Oh, gosh. I don't know. When the payload is getting through the... Um, it gets to the first door and it crosses the bridge. Yep. Once you're um, past that second Aww. point, I feel like it's, I don't know, maybe it uh, is team comp. I feel so, like there, I just feel like sometimes I feel like I'm at a huge disadvantage with certain maps. I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I'm like, I know what you're talking about exactly. And I'm trying to think of the one that I would always run into that with, um, temple of Anubis point B. Yeah. yeah. I God that that becomes the biggest shit show. Um, <laughs> no, like, but like me as May on on defense on that the second objective point. Like I'm, I fucking have held that down so I many bet. times. And like, yeah, yeah, like Temple of Anubis. If I'm oh, on defense, I am May. Like, yeah, like <laughs> that's th- th- that that's what's happening. Like, and she's my main, so like most of the time I'm May. But like Temple of Anubis on defense, like I d- don't care if we have like four defensive characters i'm like one of you switching i'm may so mm-hmm. unless someone beats yeah. me to may since like then it, that locks out that character and i'm like okay well now i need to fucking do something else Fuck like, hate this person blocking this person yeah um i can wall point a sucks i don't know what that one is i yeah i i can wall doesn't pop up that much and it really bums me out because yeah, I, I don't even know what does i can wall look like it's like the german castle yeah oh yeah i don't know if i could even remember that one yeah, no. Um, so they added it around the time of a, I think Sombra. Was, yeah, there's a bridge that you have to yeah. cross under when you're on oh, attack, and it sucks. Guys, y'all, when I said King's Row, that's what I was talking about. Oh, oh okay, okay. I sure. Can... Yeah, uh, my mistake. Yeah, okay. I yeah. understand the the bridge piece now. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, one's King's Row? <laughs> that that's the one London. where. Yeah. So. Um, where Tracer and Widowmaker's cutscene, like, yeah, so, little story happened. It, it starts in the little courtyard, and then you have to pull the car out of the garage and then bring the car down. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I, you and I had, like, that fucking epic match on King's Row. Um, yeah, okay. When we were playing the other day. Um, 
Do you remember that uh, that match in Hollywood where I was Symmetra and I didn't die once? We <laughs> yeah. won. No, that was the, the, awesome. I I did a match on, I th- think it was is, it not Hollywood. Um, or no, it, it was Hollywood. Um, where I I was Soldier seventy six and I got I think I went like nineteen and zero and we like didn't stop with the payload yeah, at all. It's awesome. That's the best feeling. If any fans like are listening, by the way. Hit us up on Twitter and we'll play with you. Yeah, yeah. seriously. I would Not, love to play with be, anybody. Yeah, that'd be super fun. Anyway, Overwatch is the same game it's been. Uh, they're making minor adjustments all the time. Yeah. Happy one year anniversary. I downloaded the Order 1880 or 1886 yeah. uh, a couple yeah, weeks ago because it was $5. Guys, that game is beautiful. Yeah. But good. like, what it is is like a s- somehow slower, heavy rain slash like telltale <laughs> adventure game uh where you just like do weird quick time events and move slowly between point a and point b mm-hmm. and uh with very minimal combat i've played it for i feel like 45 minutes and i haven't encountered a single lycanthrope and uh i don't know i'm probably gonna keep playing it because it's really beautiful and has a photo mode and i lo- like i live for shit like that like yeah um give me that whenever you can because it's it's actually not as old as I thought it was, but it just like left public consciousness so soon yeah. that it feels like it's it came out five. Like no, it didn't. It came out like five years ago, or it feels like it came out five years ago. It was only like two and a half. Yeah. Um, wow. Anyway, Order eighteen eighty six, developed by Ready at Dawn, who developed Siphon Filter for PSP and PS one. They've been like they had been like silent for years after releasing Uncharted: Golden Abyss, I believe, on Vita. And uh, this is their first PS4 title. It's beautiful. And it was kind of marketed as like a Gears of War style third person shooter set in like Victorian. Yeah, this, this really cool. Yeah, Victorian like horror steampunk thing. And it, like, with like with like electronic, like electric weapons and like. Yeah, like Tesla like, cannons and. Like cyberpunk technology. And, and just like cool ass looking like yeah. characters and yeah. shit. Guys, it's lame as shit. It's not fun. But I'm gonna keep playing it because it's like, like I said, very beautiful. Yeah, um, and apparently kind of it's only three hours long. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's like five hours from what I yeah. remember my friend playing it. Um, which yeah, like for you know even like ten bucks, like sure, why not? Yeah, right. God, what if? Hey, we get, when we talk E3 like predictions. Next week. What if there was a fucking oh, sequel yeah. to that? The Order well, 1887. That's that, that that was the thing. Like, I remember specifically. People like Marty Sleva from IGN, who are traditionally just like a little bit more forgiving for a game's faults. I would say, like, I think it's like a positive character trait to just be like, "Yeah, this game didn't live up to my expectations, but like, if they ever made a sequel, it'd be great." I like feel like there's, yeah, I feel like there was a yeah. lot of stuff like that happening when the order when the order came out because people didn't want to admit that it was like not very great. Like, yeah, um, people were like, like every Assassin's Creed. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Apparently, Syndicate was very good, though. I want to play that game really bad. Um, yeah, yeah. From what I hear, there were like really good things about it, but um, it was you know still an Assassin's Creed game. Like after, like well after Assassin's Creed fatigue was at like peak. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, that's the I'm order. Excited. I will buy. I, I will put it on record right now. I will buy the new Assassin's Creed if it's on Switch. I don't yeah. care. Oh, it, I don't think it will be. If it is, I will buy it. I will support okay. that. All right. Full price, sixty um, bucks. Take it out of my wallet. <laughs> yeah, I want to. Like I've said earlier, I want to get back into near. Um, I don't know what it is. Like, 
the last couple weeks at work have been really like stressful so when i get home i just want to play like kind of mindless games and near yeah. something i feel like i want to like pay attention to um so i'll get back into that very soon um but zelda and recently overwatch have been like the only real things i've been like actually playing what about you guys um i've been playing playing more prey of course i think yeah. i'm 18 hours in now and i've explored a lot of the ship and really the only thought that i have that i want to sort of put out is the fact that i really love that no, it gives me this like feeling that i'm exploring places that i shouldn't be in yet uh yeah and i spent a lot of time like trying to figure out how to get into to spots that have no objectives for me that I can just explore. And so I did that for quite a few of the different areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really fun. Like I've explored the entirety of like the power plant and the life support system and all of that, uh, that those sections. And I haven't had a reason to be down there, which is yeah. I think just super cool. So it's not like the, uh, like in Zelda, I'll be in areas where I'm like, Oh man, the enemies here are very tough. They'll kill me in one hit. I should come back after I've leveled up a little bit more. Is it like that? Or is it like, hey, there's no reason the game has put me here uh, narratively and I'm just here exploring just because. It's more of this like, hey, there's no reason for me to be here. But yeah. as, as I got a little further, like throughout the week, um, I've gotten to areas that feel like uh, I don't need to be here yet. And if I was here earlier in the game, I'd be terrified by the enemies. But now I've sort yeah. of gotten to that like, walking murder machine uh like talent skill set so i'm like very sure. strong now and i have like the weapons to destroy them and so i'm currently exploring the shuttle bay in the ship and i'm not really like had any reason to be there yet and i'm just like killing enemies and it's it's cool it's pretty cool i Sport, would love to play that too. game and it's on sale so maybe i'll pick it up i but, think like i said got a bunch of other games to play <laughs> i think there's a if if, if you like if you like Metroid Fusion, Half-Life, if you like Dead Space, Bioshock, Dishonored, you're going to find something to like. Cool. Nice. Mikey, what about you? Um, So I did take advantage of a sale this weekend, and I bought Hitman, and uh, I also bought Dark Souls 2 on PS4 because it was like super cheap. It's like 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, and I played a little bit of Hitman. I was actually really digging the tutorial level. I'm sorry. And then played the Paris level a bit and got really frustrated and uh, haven't been super hot on it, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to keep playing it. I'm going to try. I'm going to try beating Paris in a different way and then I'll move on Yeah, and then and then get, get back there. But um, yeah, just right now it hasn't clicked with me and I don't know if it's because like I've been playing a totally different kind of game and like wanted to play it because I bought it and didn't want it to just like buy it and then have it sit in my library forever. Collect never touch digital it. dust or something. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> so I like put down Overwatch a little bit for that and I put down um <clears throat> uh Bloodborne a little bit for that. Um so I think yeah, put- I like it I would say that like I haven't picked that up in a while. Um but like that game, as I'm sure you've heard already, like it really rewards revisiting areas that you're familiar with and like figuring figuring out the way the uh the levels kind of tick and like getting intimately familiar with like uh enemy like patrols and yeah stuff like that i don't know well and and for me it's like i want to toy with things so it's like oh like i see that there are these like levers that are like controlling chandeliers or whatever but Mm -hmm. the second i touch those i'm gonna be like (laughs) under fire Right. And and then it's like, okay, 
I either I like need to like scramble and try to salvage this, which you know may not happen, and if I do, it's gonna make things like way harder for me. Or I just restart it, and then the load time kind of sucks. Yeah, the load times aren't great, but like mm. you can totally ignore all of the like bullshit like 2017 capital v capital g video game like scoring stuff and just like yeah, yeah, oh yeah i don't care about that right like play around like don't care about the like getting uh graded on your ability yeah yeah like, no like just the, like explore the the levels i don't know the, the time i did beat it i accidentally killed four people yeah um <laughs> one of them was helmet uh helmet kruger yeah helmet kruger uh yeah. whenever i took his took his clothes and i threw him in a river yep. um and yeah and then i killed three guards because um one of the objectives was uh kill victor's uh, personal bodyguard without getting noticed and everyone noticed yeah. um, <laughs> so i had to run away and hide and change my costume and then um and then i think i actually came back to that exact same hallway and then strangled victor as a security guard nice and and then i just like walked out it's like I was Word. like running around and like yeah I, I think I like ran out and like jumped on the helicopter and was like bye yeah um but I and I and I wanted to kill him that way because I killed the other target with the um like wire grip thing um yeah it's it's fun I just don't know if it's what I want to play right now because I also mm-hmm. what what I really wanted to play today was XCOM Enemy Unknown because I bought I I didn't buy it I downloaded it on Xbox Game Pass which is their new like subscription service where it's like you have access to like 100 xbox 360 and xbox one games for so like awesome t- for like ten dollars a month which is kind of outrageous because it's it's not even like like ps now has like a bunch of ps2 games it's like no like sunset overdrive like the the best xbox one exclusive is on this service for 10 bucks a right month. and you're five. actually and you're actually downloading the the games right you're not streaming yeah them. yeah no yeah. you're not streaming yeah. them and like that's cool all of the Gears of Wars, except the one that came out last year, are on it, and the Fallout mm-hmm. games are on it, the Bioshock games are on it. Like the X-Com. Gears of War Ultimate's on it. XCOM Enemy Unknown. Uh, yeah. It's really a good, good start. Yeah, yeah. but the, my Xbox is in my room, and my room's like 90 degrees right now, so I wasn't doing that. Mm-hmm. It will um, die. I, I will die. Yeah. Um, so hopefully tomorrow tomorrow morning my room should be cool. I'll try to get a few hours of uh that in. Um I totally missed the arms test punch this oh, weekend. No. I think I did Brian, too. Um I was gonna ask you guys about that, but we um, didn't punch each other. Yeah. Damn. No, I'm I'm gonna m- make it a point next weekend to like this is what I'm doing Friday mm-hmm. night, five PM. Because I, I didn't, are gonna keep going. Uh, I was just gonna say I didn't realize that it was like an hour long thing. Like oh. they had like, I think two different hour long periods on Friday, three yesterday, and like two hour long periods today. That's so dumb. Um, yeah, and I didn't realize. I thought it was just like, okay, this weekend, and I was gonna be like, okay, cool, I'm gonna go home at like eight p.m. and I'm gonna play it. And it was like six thirty, and I was like, okay, I need to make sure I'm ready for it. And it's like, oh, it's over. It was from like five to six. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I need to play that game before I, before or during those test punches because I need to figure out if I'm gonna actually like it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of really cool. I've heard a lot of really good th- things about it from like both friends and like the press people that I've seen playing it. If Mikey yeah. and I don't play it, we'll record a video of ourselves punching each other for InfiniteDogs.com. Yeah. Call it, call it arms. Yeah, yeah, good, good idea. 
We well, play, we, we play yeah. arms, IRL. Yeah. Um, because you should be able to play, do anything you do in video games in real life. Um, but the most important thing I've been playing this week, real fast, um, is a game from our favorite company, the Pokemon Company. The Pokemon Company. Called hmm. Pokemon Magikarp Jump, which is a game where you catch and train Magikarps to jump higher. Than other Magikarps. Than other Magikarps. And you're in this small little village. Uh, Brian's showing us his phone. He has an entire screen of his phone dedicated to Magikarp Jump, which is how you do it. Because uh, it's very good. Um, it's really addicting. It's a free-to-play <laughs> game that's totally unintrusive. Like, I haven't felt pressured to like spend any money at all in this game and what it I, says right there which which part of it there's the a top, lot on there pop paragraph man this application can be played in full without spending any money wow. yeah and like i am on my 18th magic heart because uh once so either when you max out their level and uh bring them through these trainer runs where you're trying to jump higher than other magic harps <laughs> um if it's fully maxed and you don't beat a trainer then you retire that magic heart um, or Magikarps can be forced to retire by uh, these little events that happen where it's like, oh, we're at this little berry tree. Like, do you want Magikarp to jump and try to grab a berry? Um, it's like, and if you're like, yeah, it'll be like, are you sure? And you're like, yeah. And sometimes Magikarp will get the, the berry. Sometimes he'll jump and get swooped up by a Pidgeotto. And then that Y'all, Magikarp's gone. This game is cute as hell. It's very I like cute. It. I, I think that it at least for like the first 20 minutes that you're playing it, it is telling you too much at once. There's like too much shit yeah. going on. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. That's so Pokemon of them though. But, but, but the exposition's really cute. There's a lot of really good puns. Um, yeah. I, I, and the I, song that's in the game that they wrote for this game is incredible. The, the Magikarp song. Yes. It's so good. Yeah. I tweeted it out and it's fucking amazing. Like, like they openly address that Magikarp is like statistically the worst Pokemon and the most like, like derided Pokemon and like yeah. they they make fun of the trainers who just have six Magikarp and like it's very tongue in cheek it's like really funny well written um, really addicting like the gameplay loop like um, speed train fight done yeah yeah and like the longest you really need to wait to like play is like if you want all of your training points to come back then you wait an hour and a half it's not like um a lot of I forget the name of these like kinds of games. Um, idle, yeah, like these idle, yeah, these idle games. Um, where like sometimes like okay, I need to wait eight hours for my things to be done. It's like no, the, the most is gonna be like an hour and a half, and then you can go fight another magic harp, and like you can do that entire cycle when you go back to it in like two or three minutes. Yeah, like train three times, like do a couple trainers, you're in and out in less than like four or five minutes, and so it's not like this incredible time sink unless you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I, I've been super fucking into it. Like, and I really don't like idle games and I, you know, I played quite a bit of fire, fire emblem heroes when it came out and I dug it quite a bit. Um, played a bit of super Mario run and I like it. And like, I think this might be the best of this little group. Oddly. And it's the, the least like engaging on like a gameplay level, but it's word, but yeah, it, it caters very well to, um, the pre-existing like category of mobile games. Y'all, I'm oh. very tired. Me too. It's almost midnight. It's almost midnight. I've had 
a lot to drink. Time to probably play can't tell because I've composed myself so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think Such we need a, to wrap up. What a good yeah. boy. Yeah. It's fine with me. And by drink, I mean that purest, crisp, mountain fresh water. It's all I drink. Agua. Give me, Not me. Give me that. Oh, Brian's showing us his uh, maker's mark. Wow. wow what, what a sniper. A f- what a fancy boy. <laughs> um, uh, next week, I think we are going to, correct me if I'm wrong, we're going to put together some E3 predictions. Yes. Because the week yeah. after next is the Electronic Entertainment Expo, where the big boys in the gaming, boys and girls, let's be real, in the gaming industry show off their big titles and, and all that stuff and uh They're a big lot of tights. fun i honestly yep. it's like christmas for me i get so fucking excited for e3 i get very excited as well it's yeah. stupid and then when you try to tell people why you're taking a couple days off work um, <laughs> yeah, to watch right press, press conferences. conferences right which i don't know if i'm doing this this year we'll see um anyway that'll be fun please check back uh a lot of these predictions are kind of tongue-in-cheek because like these companies are so interested in trying to be human that they hire humans to tell them how to be human. Uh, so we'll see how many times they say sports and TV and try to relate to millennials and try to uh, cosplay as humans. Um, avocado toast. Am I right, millennials? Yeah. Um, <laughs> if there's avocado toast in Far Cry 5, I'll die. <laughs> no, like you're, the cult leader will make fun of you for it. Guys... I'm looking at this paragraph, basically, of the outro shit that we do. And I just don't even know if it's worth it. Rate us on iTunes. You can search for fans of the genre on iTunes. It'd be InfiniteDogs.com. Email InfiniteDogs.com. Email us yep. at inf- info at InfiniteDogs.com. Um, I don't care follow. if you follow us on Twitter anymore. I, I really do. don't. I, 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 I do. Oh, okay. okay. At fans of genre, at infinite underscore dogs, at Rhodes Clark, at Brian T. Swanson, at Mikey Krieger. Thank you. Um, John Bash is on Twitter. I think it's at John Bash. Probably yeah, that's not. right. Is no, it? no, that's, yes. that's it. I think that's it. Um, he, he wrote the music for us. Our beautiful, like, cafe NPR ass intro that's really delightful every time mm-hmm. that I'm listening to a podcast and it just starts up fans of the genre. I'm like, oh, this is nice. And then I get like, oh, no, I'm, gonna, I'm about to hear my own voice and I don't want to do that. And so then I have to yeah. like scramble to turn it off. Hey, you it's know great. how much we enjoy talking about how much we don't like our own voices? Yeah, it's great. It's our brand. Sometimes Woo! I really like my own voice. All right. And with that, thank you for <laughs> listening today. Nintendo of America, please retweet. And have a good night, everyone. Yeah. Good night. Do it. Day? I don't know. It's late. Yeah. yeah. Um, listeners will, I mean, this will be up late for them because I'm not publishing yeah. this tonight. Sorry, y'all. No, get some sleep. Well, I'm probably going to stay up super late playing video games. But I'm proud of you. Do I that. Stayed up, I stayed up until four last night. Damn, Daniel. 